Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. We once again are missing our co-host, Todd Pruitt, who seems to be ducking out of our bully pulpits lately. Um, so it's just me, Amy Bird, and my co-host, Carl Truman. How are you doing, Carl? I'm doing extremely well. Just returning from your trip from Italy and... Yes, but I, but I must stress, though, in case anybody from the Southern Baptist Convention is listening, I was only there for a holiday. I wasn't uh, engaged in any suspicious liaison with the Pope or swimming <laughs> the Tiber or anything like that. Just went there for the good food, the sunshine, and 10 days of my wife's company. Mm, and that's what people over 50 get to do. That's what people over 50 get to do. I even <laughs> left my computer behind. I broke up with my computer after all these years, so I didn't go <laughs> didn't go online for 10 days. Bliss. Absolute okay. bliss. Okay. So you've heard it here, our disclaimer that Carl was not swimming the Tiber. He's back, back in the OPC, back on his computer, and back podcasting for the mortification of spin. And we thought maybe we'd stir the pot a little bit today. And um, as we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, um, we just thought we'd throw out a topic that Carl's been writing about a little bit and um, asking the question, should evangelicals celebrate Martin Luther? Because we're doing a lot of that this year, right? Yeah, and I think that on one level, it's obvious why a lot of evangelicals are doing that, because they see Martin Luther as the... One of the founding figures, if not perhaps the founding figure of the Protestant Revolution of the 16th century, to which a lot of us evangelicals will typically speaking trace their ideological roots. Mm -hmm. The question for me is how accurate is that tracing, if I could put it this way? Right. I mean, you know, what reasons would evangelicals be cautious? Um, well, Mainly because the things that Luther regarded as absolutely essential to Christian fellowship are things that evangelicals are pretty united in rejecting. <laughs> uh, my, my, most obviously is understandings of baptism and particularly the Lord's Supper. There is, mm -hmm. there is something ironic about seeing Baptist theologians uh, declaring what a great hero Luther was when one hesitates to think what he would have done to them if he got his hands on them in the 16th century. <laughs> I mean, it would be a bit like, you know, an Englishman celebrating George Washington, for example. Uh, one could do it, but whether it makes any historical sense to do mm. it is another question. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good comparison. So what would Luther have to say, do you think, about our, our Baptist friends on that issue? I think he'd be, he would be, uh, well, well, the first thing he would say is that there are a bunch of Schwermerites. Uh, swarms, lunatics, if you like. Uh, I'm not. Let me put a disclaimer in here. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that all Baptists are lunatics, or even any Baptists are lunatics. But Luther would certainly have taken a very dim view of those who sought 
rebaptism after being baptized as infants or mm-hmm. who wish to delay infant baptism to adulthood again that's a simple historical fact right i'm not right. making a party point at this point but i'm saying if you're going to celebrate luther as a baptist today you have to acknowledge that and you have to acknowledge that that would have been for luther uh, a fellowship breaking difference mm-hmm. uh, secondly the lord's supper for luther it's absolutely essential that the whole christ body and blood, is present at the Lord's Supper. Later Lutheranism would say, in, with, and under the elements of bread and wine. Mm-hmm. For Luther, the problem with Roman Catholic transubstantiation is twofold. One, he sees it as feeding into a sacrificial view of the Mass. Mm-hmm. And two, somewhat counterintuitively for modern evangelical Protestants, the real problem with transubstantiation is it denies the presence of the bread and the wine, not that it asserts the presence of the body Mm. and blood. So Luther would see transubstantiation as as saying both too much and too little at the same time. Mm. But he would certainly have seen transubstantiation as a preferable option over against that offered by Zwingli. When Zwingli argues for a strongly symbolic understanding of the bread and the wine, for Luther, that would have been a more egregious error than than transubstantiation in terms of the metaphysics of Christ's presence there. So that would be the second thing that I think Protestants have to come to terms with. We want to celebrate Luther's life and memory, but… You know, one has to be careful using him as a stick to beat the Catholics with when he could just as easily be used as a stick to beat modern evangelicals with. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you use the term a stick to beat, you know, whoever with, because one thing that I think that strongly differs between Martin Luther and modern day evangelicalism is the word tone. (laughs) I mean, it seems that we're very careful about tone an evangelical subculture now uh, when we disagree. And even if you use strong words, the word heresy is considered more of an insult than um, actually looking at whether or not our beliefs are in conformity to the Orthodox creeds and confessions. Well, the discussion of tones is an interesting one. I think, first of all, one would want to say that quite a lot of what is critiqued as bad tone today is simply people objecting to being told they're wrong and attempting to shove the moral onus back on those who are calling them out as being wrong. I mean, you saw this last summer with the Trinity debates. Mm-hmm. If you look at the articles, there were moments on both sides when when the language was, was strong. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is that those who reject Nicaea are, technically speaking, heretics and there right. is no nice way of saying that and mm-hmm. i would rather be orthodox Just according to the meaning of the word yeah i'd rather be orthodox and, and and perhaps use tone that some deem slightly too strong than be a heretic on the doctrine of god uh, mm-hmm. there's no choice tone can be forgiven heresy can be quite a different matter if if you're not careful. So i think one luther would look at modern tone debates and just say you know if you don't want to be critiqued, don't put it out in the public domain. If you haven't got the backbone to take the heat, get out of the kitchen. That would certainly be Luther's approach on that front. Secondly, uh, one would have to say that his tone goes way beyond pretty much anything you see in what I would regard as as rational Christian circles. <laughs> yeah. there, are, there are loony fringes. We have our loony fringes, I know, but within right. the broad 
rational, conservative Protestant world. Luther's tone goes way beyond that. Of course, these were tougher times. Um, one would have to say that his life was on the line a lot of the time, which does not lead one to, to speak in, in moderate tones, particularly about those who are seeking to take your life. Uh, but one would have to say that, yeah, his tone crosses the line on occasion, particularly in his most notorious treaties, of course, Harsh Book Against the Peasants, 1525, and On the Jews and Their Lives of 1543. Mm. The tone there is, is clearly crossing a massive line. But, but nobody today in our circles is getting anywhere close to that. Right, right. I also want to add that, you know, until somebody says, oh, go off and castrate yourself, they haven't actually, <laughs> they haven't actually reached the lines that Paul has reached in his letters either. <laughs> you know, oh. one of the reasons I don't do social media is I have no time for these people who can't take criticism. You know, if you don't want to be criticized, don't be a theologian. Don't put it out there in the public domain. Go and do something else that you're better suited for. Sorry about my tone there, if that offends anybody. <laughs> I just thought I'd I'm offended because I'm on social media, so <laughs> you have offended me. Yeah. I keep telling Todd, these people, they don't really exist. You don't have to pay any attention to <laughs> they them. They do exist. They're people. Uh, not. They're fictional avatars, or they're in their parents' basement tapping away <laughs> on the key. Real people at all. Well, I'm on social media. I'm a real person. I'm not in my parents' basement. Yeah, but you've just never grown up. That's the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I do use my real name. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But going back to Luther, again, I th if we could sort of move it in a, <laughs> in a positive direction, <laughs> I think the question of whether evangelicals should celebrate Luther actually does raise the general question of how we do history. Okay. And that's something upon which all Christians have to think. I think we mm -hmm. need to realize that history is always a critical mm -hmm. discipline. I mean, it was interesting recently when people were getting upset about Tim Keller having the Kuiper Prize removed, taken mm -hmm. away from him, you know, Princeton Seminary and uh, did that. And a few people took to social media, whether they exist or not, I don't know, but they took to <laughs> social media and were making the point, you know, not even Kuiper could win the Kuiper Prize today. Well, that's probably true. But then if you look at what Kuiper has to say about people from Africa, I don't think that anyone would be wanting to make the case that somebody who holds those views today should mm. be honored with the Kuiper Prize. Mm. And that, too, again, raises that interesting question for Christians of how do we relate to history? There are two models, I think, put out for us in the wider culture. One of them we're seeing on campuses around the country, and the way you relate to history is you erase it. If there's anything there you disagree with that doesn't conform to 21st century standards, you erase it or destroy it. The danger is we flip to the other extreme in our reaction and just uncritically mm -hmm. remake the past in our own image mm -hmm. in a way that justifies our present positions. And that's what I fear could happen in, in 2017 with Luther. It's a great opportunity, actually, for thinking about the positives and the negatives of the Reformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think about the role of technology with how we look at history, too, because we've become such information gatherers. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times I, I didn't have the best history teachers growing up. And that's what it seemed like even in school in a lot of ways. It's like memorize these events and these dates and these people, not as much learning for understanding which involves a more critical look. Can we just clarify for the listening public there that I've never taught you history? <laughs> well, I was going to say, once I went away to university, my eyes were open because I felt like 
I finally had such a great history professor who was excited and he was a critical thinker. And I felt like the doors were open for me to enjoy history and understand the importance of learning it. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think that use of the word critical is key. Um, yeah. A lot of people are put off history because it's just, you know, one thing after another. It's just names and dates. The ability to think about history as the narrative development of, of cultures and peoples and identities mm. is a very, very helpful and useful way of looking at it. And then when we bring that back to Luther, we have to say, yes, Luther certainly has a connection to modern evangelicalism. But it's a complicated one. And actually, by thinking and reflecting upon that connection, we can probably learn better from Luther. We always learn better from people that aren't simply reflections of ourselves. Right. <laughs> and secondly, I think we can also learn important historical skills, how to relate to the past in general. Yeah. Uh, what I've said about Luther, you could apply it to Calvin. Calvin had no time for Baptists, for example. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that there's no relation between what Calvin was doing in the 16th century and what Reformed Baptists are doing today, clearly there is, but it's one that needs to be teased out. And the very teasing out of that relationship, I think, can be helpful and constructive to those who are doing it. Well, and that critical look at someone in history, it humanizes them then. And we were just talking with Fran Meyer about this whole celebrity culture, and we certainly see that in evangelicalism as well. And it's easy to look at Martin Luther as as this celebrity, even this meme almost, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, to critically look at him, I think not only humanizes him, but also gives us much more appreciation for the work that he did. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're highlighting then another aspect of the celebrity idea that is so frequently missed whenever you try to engage on this subject. Celebrity isn't simply being well known. Right. Celebrity is having a certain kind of authoritative personal cachet on the back of being well-known that makes people uncritical in the way they relate to you and to your thinking. Right. So again, a good historical method, a good reflection on Martin Luther can probably help us to pass some of the problems that are impacting the Christian world which we now inhabit today. I did a book a couple of years ago, Histories and Fallacies. That's that good attempts to get at how to do history. What I tried to do there was write a book that I, I thought could be given to a senior level high school student, first year undergraduate college history student who wanted to ask some basic questions about how do I do history? Mm -hmm. Can I get back to the truth? Is there only one kind of history that can be written? I try to get at those sort of issues. Well, I believe this week the giveaway is going to be my book, uh, Histories and Fallacies. So if you're interested in getting a copy of that, please visit the website, mortificationofspin.org. Also, if you've enjoyed this program without Todd and you think that it represents a definite <laughs> increase in overall quality, please feel free to start a petition now. Uh, sort of something of the lines of fire Todd 2017, put a hashtag in front of it if you're a non-existent uh, social media person. Uh, in the meantime, we look forward to being with you next time. That was good. Hey, Justin, what's up? Not much, Jimmy. Hashtag chilling. What's up with you? It's been busy working. Hashtag rise and grind. Hashtag is it Friday yet? <laughs> <laughs> hey, check it out. I brought you some cookies. Hashtag homemade, hashtag oatmeal raisin, hashtag show me the cookie. <laughs> Sweet. Hashtag don't mind if I don't.
pretty good. Hashtag getting my cookie on. Hashtag I'm the real cookie monster. Hashtag no, 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 no. Delicious, right? Yeah. Hashtag I did it all for the cookie. Hashtag LOL, Hashtag classic. By the way, did you catch last week's episode of Duck Dynasty? Hashtag quack quack. Nah, lately I've mostly been watching Netflix. Hashtag Orange is the New Black. Oh, nice. I've been watching a lot of Barney the Dinosaur. Hashtag Purple is the New Black. Hashtag I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. Hashtag I'm 38. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, the podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. Mike, I've written so many books, you know, any given <laughs> subject in the entire universe, I have written a book on it that will be very helpful to people somewhere. If you want my book on neurosurgery, that's very expensive. <laughs>